0: Amen. Thanks, Praise Band, Uh, who looked on him and pardoned me. This morning, for those of us who are pardoned through Christ, um, God's got some exciting stuff for us to look at and talk through this morning. Uh, I'm Rob Pearson. I'm uh, the Youth and Connections Pastor here at Living Waters, if you don't know me. Um, But we're going to be preaching through... Revelation twenty one through 10. So if you want to grab your copy of God's word this morning, and we'll open it up. Revelation 20, 1 through 10. So it starts out, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit, and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophet were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. This is the word of God this morning. Let's pray. God, thank you for the opportunity to uh, open up your word and and uh, hopefully we can just get a grasp this morning of what you have for us in Revelation 20 and uh, that... That we can get excited as a church, get excited as a people, for what is coming, what you are doing. Um, Just pray that I'd be clear uh, in your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we continue through the sermon series that Pastor Josh has been preaching, the return of Christ and the life to come, we're continuing our journey through the book of Revelation. And the title that I have for the sermon this morning is "The Beautiful Finish." The beautiful finish. As a reminder from last week, the book of Revelation was written by Apostle John in AD 95 on the island of Patmos. John had been exiled for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ, 1-9. John received a double commission to write the things which are, the letters to the churches, and the things which shall be. Revelation is apocalyptic literature, and John is setting up for us a vision a vision of the final judgments of the new heavens and the new earth. So the simplest way to look at the book of Revelation is two words. Pastor Josh has been saying it for the whole series. What are they? Jesus wins, right? Jesus wins. Jesus' millennial reign illustrates his victory, and it is beautiful. Beautiful. So we're going to look at this morning this beautiful thing. Why, why are we so just enamored by things of beauty. We love to look at beautiful things. I was thinking about things that I've looked at that have just been beautiful and stuck in my mind. As a child, I went and I saw uh, the Niagara Falls. And the Niagara Falls were just amazing as a child. And that image of the falls and the power of those falls has stuck in my head. This last summer, we took all the kids and we went to the Grand Canyon. We drove down there to the Grand Canyon and... Lane, our second oldest, he walks up and he sees it and his jaw literally drops. It was just, it was amazing. I mean, that's a beautiful picture that's going to stick into his mind. I think about harvest season here in Iowa, right? And so if you live out or you see out in the fields, you see combines and during harvest and the, the sun setting and a combine going through a field, taking that, taking that uh, beans or the corn, it's just a beautiful setting. Um, Holly wouldn't let me put a picture of her up here, but, uh, of course my bride its a beautiful thing to, uh, look at. Um, of course she wouldn't let me put that up here, but you can, you can imagine, or you can think about like what is beautiful to you and what things stick in your mind. So this morning we've got a few pictures to look at that are in Revelation 20 and, and I brought this with me and I've got a picture of it up here. Uh, who knows what this is? Yeah, Viewfinder, you got it right away. Viewfinder, Viewmaster, something along those lines. Uh, who doesn't know what this is? Anybody, anybody in here? Nobody's going to raise their hand. Okay, oh, there we go. All right, later you can look at it. All right, okay, so what this does is you look through it and you see a cool picture. Like, I was a child of the Nintendo in the 80s, so I mean, this was cool, but Nintendo was cooler. But this is going to be something we're going to look through this morning. And we're going we're to do the polls, you remember the polls? of the viewfinder, right? And so we're going to look at the first picture. And the first pole that we're looking at is Satan's takedown. It's going to be Satan's takedown. So start to envision some of this this morning as you look at it. So then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding in his hand the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain. And he seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil and Satan. And bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the pit and shut it and sealed it over him so that he might not deceive the nations any longer until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be released for a little while. Okay, so the first thing that we look at is an angel, an angel. It doesn't say Jesus came down and, and took him with a chain and, and bound him up and threw him into this bottomless pit. It doesn't say Michael did it. It doesn't say Gabriel did it. It says an angel. An angel did it. You can almost see this happening maybe in like the conversation. God's like, oh, I need, I need an angel. One of you, anybody? Okay, come here. You know, and then one of them goes and, all right, here's the chain. Here's the key. Lock him up, throw him in the bottomless pit. That's, that's what's happening here. He's, he's using an angel, just an angel. So it starts to give you an idea of who God is and who Satan is, right? Sometimes we build Satan up to be something else that, that, uh, that he's not. So the dragon, that ancient serpent though, who is the devil and Satan. So who is Satan when we start to look at what he is, how he operates? So he's a snake. He's cunning. He's the accuser. He's the adversary. So when you start to think of a snake what's the first image that comes to mind old testament right so garden of eden eve the snake right so in first corinthians 11:3 it talks about how the snake moved subtly on eve and that's how that's how he worked in that scenario like a snake just subtly neil perolo said this the enemy is subtle he has to be subtle can you imagine him coming up to us and saying hi i'm satan if you follow me, I can promise you an eternity in hell. The dullest of us could see right through that. He has to make us think that the here and now is all that there is to live for. Isn't that what he does? He's the accuser. He wants to show you that you are too horrible of a sinner. Too horrible that God through Jesus would forgive you. Would forgive you for all your sin, past, present, and future. That's a false accusation. If that's the way you're thinking, you don't understand who Jesus is. Only through Jesus can you get forgiveness from your sin because that's what he did for you on the cross. So he's our adversary. So God is good, Satan's evil. God is truthful, Satan is a liar. God is love, Satan is hateful. So he might not deceive the nations any longer. Deception is Satan's main force of how he just operates, okay? You look for ways of how, you don't have to look far, right? For ways of how we get deceived. And that's what Satan, how Satan operates. He deceives us. So if you look in your marriage, try looking in your marriage. Are you believing something this morning or this week about your husband that's not true? Are you believing something this morning or this week about your wife that's not true? As I, as I got ready for the sermon this week, it seems like whenever I get ready for a sermon, God like, is like, I'm going to make this real for you, Rob. And he, he did. And it got to uh, late in the week. And um, I, start, I had started believing a lie. And Holly called me out on it. And Holly's like, God, you're believing a lie. You know, I was being deceived. I was being deceived. And we get deceived in our marriages. What, what lie? How are you being deceived this morning by Satan in your, in your marriage? How about at your job? You might be thinking you deserve something more from your employer than a paycheck. Or that you deserve a better job than what you've got right now. Even though God's provided that job for you to be able to provide for your family to be able to put a roof over your kids' heads, food and mouths. Those are things that God has provided for you. But Satan deceives us into starting to think differently. How about being deceived at church? Satan really wants to get a hold of us here at church, right? Deceive us here. Maybe not forgiving that person who sins against us in the body of Christ, especially, or outside, either way. He wants you to feel justified in holding on to your anger. If that's you, stop playing into his deceitful plan. It's a lie. How about in the area of serving God? Do we get de- deceived in that area? Like thinking someone else is more talented. This is, this is how things go in your mind, right? Like that person over there, they're more talented than me. They can handle all of one of these areas of service. I don't need to do that. Or you start to think, you know, I'm... I'm one of those, uh, I'm a busy Christian. I don't know if you knew that. I'm a busy Christian. I don't have time for that. One of those other Christians that aren't as busy as I am, they can, they can sign up on the church center app or the you know, planning center or whatever it is. Like Those are the lies we start to believe because he's a deceiver. And he's this liar. John eight forty four 44 says, You are the father, the devil. You are of your father, the devil, and you, your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies. So start to think of Satan's character. One of the key ways that he deceives us through lies is getting you to believe and look at like, oh, there's a little bit of truth here, right? Right? I got a little bit of truth and I got a little, little lie mixed in. That's not really that. It's a big deal, right? Because when you mix truth with a lie, what do you have? You have a lie. You have a full lie. I could tell all kinds of stories about how that's true when I've been a detective and, you know, when people are lying and, and uh, they mix truth. The good liars, they mix truth with the lie. That's what Satan does. So what partial truths... Does he have you believing in this morning? A commanding officer was looking back on his country's loss in Vietnam and determined that it was a result of not understanding the nature of the enemy. Not understanding the nature of the enemy. We're given God's word, we can understand the nature of our enemy, Satan. Character determines methods. Revelation 20 is clear that Satan is a deceiver, we're given information up front to help us understand his ways. So start your days ready for battle. You military guys and ladies that are in here, you know the term up-armor, right? So you up-armor, up-armor a vehicle, up-armor yourselves in the morning, right? How do we do that? We get into God's word and we read his word. We, we take time to get to know the God of the Bible. And our minds are renewed and we're less prone to fall into these deceptions that are out there, thrown out there, and these lies that are out there by Satan because we're taking time to get into the truth, taking time to pray, talk to God. So as you look at this, this is who Satan is. But at the very beginning, I said, the angel comes, and he takes him, and he binds him, and he throws him into this never-ending pit, right? That's what's happening right here is all of these, these schemes, the way that Satan operates is gone, is gone. That's the picture that you have here. This is who Satan is. He's gone. He's out of the way. So we get to the second pole of the viewfinder, which is the picture of Jesus' kingdom. So verse 4, it says, then I saw the thrones and seated on them were those whom the authority to judge was committed. Also, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God and those who had not worshiped the beast or its image, and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands, they came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until a thousand years were ended. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who shares in the first resurrection. Over the second, death has no power. But they will be priests of God. of Christ. They will reign with him for a thousand years. As we start to look at this picture this morning, get excited, get pumped. Man, that's what happened this week as I was going through this, and you start to look at it, and you're like, okay, a thousand years. I got a thousand years with Jesus. Whom authority to judge? Authority to judge. Who's going to be there judging in this thousand years? Jesus, of course, but all believers. All believers from the Old Testament, New Testament, Us, sitting here now that are believers, we're going to be ruling and reigning with Jesus for a thousand years in this millennial kingdom. Man, that gets me excited. So we'll have the authority to judge. Who are we judging over? 1 Corinthians 6, 1 through 3 says, When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to the law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than the matters pertaining to this life? So we we learn that we'll be judging angels. Now, I don't completely understand exactly our role and how that will work out, but we'll be judging angels. But it also gives us a challenge in that verse about our competency says, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Paul is saying in the future, you're going to be dealing with a much weightier issue and much weightier issues than you're dealing with right now. So you better learn to judge and discern well while you're here in this life. Are you judging and discerning well in your problems that come up right now in your life this week? So all believers will reign with Jesus for a thousand years physically physically reign and rule over parts of the kingdom earth this earth how does that work out well first it's we'll have glorified bodies and glorified minds yeah, I didn't hear a lot. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, glorified bodies. I'm 38 and I'm starting to get the idea of like, yeah, I, I, I could really go for a glorified body. Like, I'm, you know, I'm starting to get the aches and the pains and you know, you that are maybe a few years older than me here, like you get it, right? A glorified body and the mind isn't going to fail you. It's glorified. Glorified bodies and minds. That's how we're going. That's what we're going to have But it's going to be according to... We're going to reign according to our faithful service. According to our faithful service. So if you look at Luke 19, it talks about the parable of the talents, right? So one person was given so much and the next person given so much and one person takes what they had and they turn it into more, right? And the last guy, what he does is he takes it and he tucks it away. And he doesn't do anything with his talents. He doesn't do anything with what he had. So... Are you storing, are you storing away your talents, your time, your treasure this morning? God's given that stuff to you so that you can serve him with that. I don't know how it's going to work, but each of us will have an area to reign over with Jesus. But we're told there still will be conflict. It's not, it's not a perfect, a perfect place, right? There still will be conflict Um, Isaiah 2, 4 says, He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So Jesus decides disputes. We'll have our glorified bodies and minds. Minds, right? So we might be just a bunch of Andy Biddles walking around like... Counseling in the new, new millennium, I don't know, uh, but it's pretty exciting. Swords into plowshares, or maybe your gun collections will be melted into a plow. Uh, Chinooks will be melted into a combine, probably a John Deere. And, and then from there, like your, the books on war, you know, the, the art of war, on combat, all of those kind of things, they're going to collect dust because there's no point for them in the new millennium. The conversation on the need for the Second Amendment is over. No need. So here is what our relationship with animals looks like. This is really interesting. Isaiah 11, 6 through 9. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with a young goat and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together and a little child, child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of a cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the otter's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What? Our relation, like animals are like, yeah, they're not, we can, we can like pet lions. I don't know who's going to want to go on like uh, race hippos with me. I mean, like what, like there's all this stuff that we're going to have the possibility. Like it's just so hard to comprehend, but it's going to be amazing. Amazing. And this is for a thousand years that we get to do this. And this is coming. This is coming. As you get... As, as life starts to pass by and you, and you realize like how the last five years have passed, you realize how much closer you are to this reality, right? And this picture, this picture is coming. We take it literally. It's a demonstration of Jesus' victory and his worthiness to rule the nations. Get excited. So the final poll on the viewfinder is a picture of the final victory. The final victory. This is where it all ends, right here. Satan's rule ends. And when the thousand years are ended, Satan will be released from prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. But fire came down from heaven and consumed them. And the devil, who had deceived them, was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur, where the beast and false prophet were. And they will be tormented day and night forever. So Satan is released from prison one more time, right? This is what happens. Satan's released from prison one more time. What's he do immediately? He goes back to what he was doing before. He's been in a, a thousand year freefall, right? That didn't wake him up. He's so depraved, he's going to go start deceiving the nations again right away. But what about humanity? What's humanity do? It says he gets the numbers of the sand of the sea to follow him again to follow him again their humanity is that depraved humanity needs Jesus we you look at that and you say well they're in an almost perfect environment right they're in this place that's just like so amazing they don't have any excuses these these people on earth they don't have any excuses they can't say man i'm a i'm a victim of my culture i'm i've had this go on in my life no they don't have any of those problems in the new millennium, but they still are deceived and follow Satan. This is the beloved city. So all the, all the believers then, so this battle's coming, all the believers then, Jesus rounds up and have them come to the beloved city. So they're there, they're ready, and then what's, what happens? God sends down fire, boom, 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 and destroys the enemy, destroys them, consumes them, And the devil gets thrown into the lake of fire forever. Forever. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. So then you start looking at, you look back at Satan, you start to ponder Satan. And you see what Isaiah 14, 16 says. And it's those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made, (coughs) excuse me, I think I got to take a drink. Is this the man who made earth tremble, who shook the kingdoms, who made the world like a desert <coughs> and overthrew its cities, who did not let his prisoners go home? So you start to ponder who Satan is at the end here. And one commentator put it this way. They said, have you seen the, the movie, The Wizard of Oz? <clears> or <throat> all throughout the movie, The Wizard of Oz. There's this guy who's kind of in control of everything. It's Oz, right? And in the very end of the movie, what happens? They pull back the curtain. And, and there this little guy is. And he's like pulling on the strings, right? He's pulling on the strings. And it's just this little guy. But he's been doing all of this stuff the whole time. So people are going to ponder, is this, this is the guy? This is the one that, that did that? It really gives you... An idea of who Satan is versus who God is. This is what, the deception is what Satan has for you. Uh, God's got a kingdom, a millennial kingdom ready for you though. So as we close, we look at the three poles, the three pictures on the ViewMaster. So we have the picture of Satan's takedown, the picture of Jesus' kingdom, and the picture of the final victory. Amazing pictures. Amazing pictures that, that I think God uses to inspire us to change of some sort. So in a, in a minute here, you're going to have a time to respond. And Brandon's going to come up and play. So as you think about during the time of response, maybe, maybe you're sitting here and like, maybe this millennial kingdom doesn't really excite you because you're not, you, you don't know Jesus. You haven't been pardoned of your sin through Christ yet. So this maybe makes you terrified because you know you're not you're not going to the millennial kingdom right now. Well, you've got a time in your seat right now where you can just sit and give your life to Jesus. Maybe it's just I need help wherever you're at. Don't know. God knows. Talk to him about it. Talk to we've got pastors around, people that would love to step in and love on you. Maybe you just need to get excited about the future kingdom, right? Stop living in this life for this world and start living for the Lord. Maybe you need to make a life change. I'm going to apply this message by what? How are you going to apply the message this week? So now it's time to respond, talk to God, and Brandon's going to go ahead and play.